So in Romans 12, there's a section of verses 9 through 21 that are labeled in many Bibles as the marks of a true Christian. And our verse is going to be there. It's going to be verse 12. It, it Literally, we're going to be looking. This is very thematic, if you will, because we're, we're looking at four words in the ESV, Romans 12, 12. I'll just read the whole verse. It says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation. And then it says, be constant in prayer. And so it will clearly be that last little phrase that we'll be, we'll be talking about. But verses 9 through 21 uh, are a series of qualities and characteristics that Christians will have. Um, everybody will not have these characters and qualities or characteristics and qualities equally. Okay, so we won't be the same as others necessarily. We won't be the same at different times in our lives. Uh, this is, if you haven't read verses 9 through 21 in Romans 12 lately, just as a side note, uh, take a, a glance through and try not to read too fast. Because each of these verses often has two or three different exhortations of Christians. And it is, it's very, 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 very helpful to go slow. It's a very dense topic. And prayer is a dense topic, if you think about it. We, you will have several weeks on prayer. You could easily go several months on prayer. There are whole books written about prayer. There are whole books written simply about the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, there is a lot to praying. But today we're going to look specifically at this phrase, which is different in different Bibles. So the ESV says to be constant in prayer. The title of the message is to be devoted to prayer. And that is the word that the NASB uses, which is, is devoted. And we're going to look at this under three headings. First, we just want to understand exactly what it means to be devoted to prayer. And the second place, we're going to look at trying to gain an understanding as to some of the reasons why we would pray. Uh, and then in the third place, we'll look at some of the how-tos. So Steve told me I had an hour and a half, so we should be able to cover all of that. Okay, no, we will start with, uh, with what it means. So we're looking at this command that just tells us that we are to be people of prayer. Essentially, it's, it is a mark of the true Christian to be a person of prayer. I, I should have said earlier, this verse, verses 9 through 21 is very easy to get sucked into looking at it as just a, a list of do's and don'ts. This is not a list of do's and don'ts as in these are the ways that you are saved. This is a list of qualities and characteristics of the Christian because you have been saved. There's a very important reason that this, this list of imperatives comes in chapter 12 of Romans because Paul has already gone through 11 chapters of telling us what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, how we're justified by by grace, through faith in him. It's not of us. And so that, that's not what this is meant to be. But it is meant to be the mark of a person who has trusted in Jesus Christ. You would be a person of prayer. Okay? Uh, there are lots of times when we can look at different translations of the Bible and we see some relative similarity. I'm not talking about para paraphrases uh, but when you get into the literal translations like the ESV and the New King James and the NASB, they, a lot of times they, we get into verses like this and there's the same phrase. I thought it was interesting here that in every single translation, I could not find one translation that had the exact same word for this. 
Um, I'm not sure why that is, but the, we see faithful in prayer. The NASB has devoted. ESV is constant. King James is continuing instant. The New King James is continuing steadfastly. So all that tells me is that the translators are seeking to kind of get an idea of what exactly is being talked about here. From what I've looked at, it seems the NASB is the best translation, and so that's why I use that for the, the title, just being devoted to prayer. Okay? And when somebody is devoted to a particular task, that means that they are set apart for that particular purpose. Uh, there's another time in the New Testament where this same word is used. It was used by Jesus, the book of Mark, chapter 3, verse 9. You don't need to turn there. Jesus just commands his disciples to get a boat ready. And so he says, so, or it says, so he told his disciples that a small boat should be kept ready for him because of the multitude, lest they should crush him. So those words kept ready, it's the same, it's the same root word. So all it means is it's this idea of being set aside for that particular purpose. Now the boat is an inanimate object, so when it's set apart for something, it just dutifully sits there and waits until it's going to be used in that way. People are not that way. When people are dedicated or devoted to something, they're not only set apart for that purpose, but then they act on that purpose. They live in light of that purpose. They press on in that purpose. So we are indeed designated by God for a particular task, and one of those tasks would be prayer. But we're, and so we are to actively pursue prayer, giving ourselves over to that task, being dedicated and devoted to it. Right? Now there's a few other places in the New Testament where this word is used. But in, interestingly enough, five out of ten places, five out of ten times in the New Testament, and also the only characteristic of a Christian that this word is used to describe is prayer. There are lots of other important characteristics of Christians. There are many in these verses 9 through 21. But the only one that the word devoted is used to describe is that of prayer. And that, to me, seems pretty significant. So in Acts 1.14, we have all these in one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with women and Mary and the mother of Jesus and his brothers. It's talking about the early church. Acts 2.42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. Talking about, again, the church. Acts 6.4, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. That's the apostles. Colossians 4.2, It says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So this is the, the, the congregation, the church at Colossae, is being exhorted to be devoted to prayer. So there are five of them, you know, and it, it's always the characteristic that's in question or is being uh, spoken of is the characteristic of, of prayer. So it's, that's pretty clear. We're to be devoted. And if we just said devoted to prayer we all kind of understand what that means, what it means to be devoted to something. So the very first question that we all need to ask ourselves is, is that a true representation of me? Is that a true representation of you? 
Can you look at your daily life and say that you are devoted to prayer? Um, is a regular part is prayer a regular part of your day? Does prayer take precedence over other things that you do? Do you pray first in the day? Do you pray last? Do you wait till, as I often do, you're dead tired and you can barely make it through a couple of paragraphs of prayer before you're nodding off? This does not mean, as I hope everybody knows, that we need to be praying constantly. It does not mean we have to have every minute of every day spent in prayer. Even when Paul does command later in another book to pray without ceasing, he's not talking about that. He's not talking about praying every single minute of every day. The idea is to have a constant attitude of prayer or a devotion to prayer. So an attitude, a mindset of of that. Now, as I said before, with the characteristics... This is not going to look the same in everybody's life because everybody is a bit different. (laughs) Some people do function better in the morning and others function better in the evening. People have different schedules. So devoted to prayer is not some cookie cutter that we have to adhere to where everybody has to follow the same standard. But at least if we all look at ourselves, we can at least say this, that if we look at our lives we should very easily be able to tell a fairly significant difference between being devoted to prayer and not being devoted to prayer. If you truly are honest with yourself, that's all I'm saying, if you're truly honest with yourself, you can look and see, okay, yes, I'm devoted to prayer, or no, I could work on some of these things. So there are certainly some ways of praying, for instance, in our own lives that would not be classified as being devoted to prayer, like just praying at mealtimes. I don't believe that just praying at mealtimes would be being called devoted to prayer. Is praying at mealtimes a good thing? Yes, but if that's the only time that we're praying, then are we really devoted to prayer? Just praying during crisis, just praying when you need something from God. None of those are devoted to prayer. So as I said, they're not necessarily bad in and of themselves, but it would figure that if a Christian is to be a person that's devoted to prayer, then prayer ought to have a fairly significant role in our lives. We should be people of, of prayer. And so if you're struggling with prayer, as I will admit I often do, um, I believe one of the best ways to get past those struggles and to press on to a devotion to pray would be to consider the, the second two things that we're going to consider. Why should we pray? And then some of the, how, the how-tos, because those can help us. So let's move on to why we should pray. Okay? And there are many reasons here. I may have bitten off more than I can chew. Uh, there are just many reasons why we should pray. We could probably spend the rest of our time. You could probably spend additional messages looking at reasons why we're going to pray. So I have picked four, I believe reasons why we should pray. And the first one is pretty simple. We're commanded to. So number one, God commands his people to pray. In some cases, that's really all that we need to know. Now, that doesn't necessarily make it easy, but it definitely shows us why we ought to do it, because God told us to do it. So God commanded us to pray, to be people devoted to prayer, it should hopefully not 
simply, uh, you know, or it should not only be this. It should not only be a duty. But there are sometimes when we just simply say, "This is a this is a duty." God has called me to do this, and if I don't do this, then I'm disobedient. Then I'm being disobedient to God, and being disobedient to God, God's commands is foolish, dangerous. So prayers prayers not going to come easy all the time, for any of us. Because we live in a fallen world, and we ourselves, though saved, live in fallen bodies. We have extremely busy schedules. We have everything competing for our time, for our energy. And so it is difficult sometimes to pray. But if we find it hard to pray, then we need to fight. And we need to fight for this devotion to prayer. If nothing else, then this is a command of God. And it is the God who bought you, who redeemed you, who gave of great price of himself to save you, to adopt you into his family. And he commands you to pray. So number one reason why you would pray is simply you're commanded to pray. Number two, and this was something that was said um, in the introduction or as a part of some of those hymns, so number two, we submit to the authority and sovereignty of God in prayer, or just in prayer we submit ourselves to God. So we're recognizing the authority and the sovereignty of God when we come to pray. We, it establishes our trust in God and his promises. So we're submitting to his authority as well as recognizing that he is, in fact, able to do all things in accordance with his will, according to his purposes. So prayer is recognizing who God is and who we are, and it's recognizing our dependence upon him. We're offering glory, adoration, and honor to God because he's the sovereign and supreme ruler of the the universe, and we're coming to him in humble Submission, there are countless examples of this throughout the Bible and the Psalms, also illustrated by Jesus and the Lord Prayer, which we will look at. So we are coming, hopefully, in a, in a humble fashion, depending upon God, understanding that he is all-knowing, that he is all-powerful, So we make our requests known to God. One author said that the posture of prayer is the proper posture of the Christian. It's one bent in submission and trust. And of all people in the world, that should identify Christians. So second reason why we would pray is we submit to the authority and sovereignty of God in prayer. The third reason is prayer establishes and maintains a relationship with God. So, establishes and maintains a relationship with God. Who here has a personal and intimate relationship with somebody that they never talk to? If you have a husband and a wife who have a marriage and they speak for five minutes every day and it's in bed in the evening, how good is that relationship going to be? Those are rhetorical questions because we all understand that in order to actually have a relationship with somebody, you would need to be communicating with them. So how can we expect to have a relationship with God if we're never communicating with him or if we're rarely communicating with him? We're not giving him our best of the day. We're only giving him 
the ends, the end of, of the day. It's the same. I mean, there are similarities with human relationships. There has to be communication. And so prayer establishes and maintains that relationship of God. We saw that evidenced in Jesus' life on numerous occasions where Jesus gave up sleep, probably sometimes food, and would go out all night to do what? To go up to the mountain and to pray. <clears throat> and so it repre- there is, of course, an extremely intimate relationship between Jesus, God the Son, and God the Father because they are members of the same triune Godhead. But it shows that frequent communication is continued to maintain that relationship. Now, obviously, you and I are different than the Son of God. But where we're not different is that God does desire relationship. We are made for relationship to him, and so that implies frequent, intimate communication. And so Jesus did that. He gave thanks to God for all things. He sought the will of God. In prayer, he prayed for strength to act on that will. And so those are all very good examples for us. I mean, being devoted to prayer most certainly means a commitment to coming to God at any time, any day, any situation, all situations, and communicating with him in a very close, personal, intimate manner. That is... You know, the, the, the why we do it is to maintain the relationship, but clearly that takes us back and fleshes out some of the, the what it actually means. And then the fourth reason is that prayer is a means of grace established by God. And honestly, this is probably one of the most, this was probably the most encouraging reason. Reason number one wasn't very encouraging. Just do it. You know, God said do it, just do it. So that wasn't necessarily very encouraging. But reason number four shows us what a good and loving God we have. So we say prayer is a means of grace established by God. In other words, God is a loving father, a loving creator. He does not command us to do things that aren't good for us. Instead, if we follow God's commands in our lives, it will actually result in our best life. We hesitate to use the best life now type of phrase because it's been abused. But honestly, if we live in light of God's promises and following God's commands, we do get the best life. It's the best life that we could possibly have because we're putting in ourselves in that place of blessing. It doesn't necessarily mean material blessing financial blessings but his plan is actually the best plan for your life and his plan involves prayer and so as we seek to love and honor him by following his commands one of the things that will happen is our will will be more aligned with his will we'll begin to form find more fulfillment and enjoyment in our relationship with him god has established prayer as a means by which you can communicate with him, and in that constant communication comes blessing. Earlier in the book of Romans, we read that God always wants what's best for us. Romans 8.28 says, God works out all things for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. 
And so the beauty is that God not only wants what's best for us, but God will actually always do what's best for us. He's not only omniscient, omniscient, which is all-knowing, he's also omnipotent, which is all-powerful. So he has, as we already talked about, the, the power to be able to do all that is in his good, uh, good pleasure. And prayer is the link by which we gain access to that power. Not in some superstitious way, not, not in some incantation, but the Bible is very clear. God has promised action by means of prayer. God acts when we pray. That is the means that he has established. It's the means of grace, in other words, that it's, it's a means of blessing to us, but it's also the means of grace in which this is the way that God has, de- has designed to actually do his will is often in reaction to prayer. John Piper said, God can do more in five seconds than you could do in five years. It's a great statement. It's an incredible understatement, right? God could do more in a millisecond, a nanosecond. But God answers continual and fervent prayer. It is the means of grace that he has designed we can't sit here and act like, and we know this, we can't sit here and act like that just because God is sovereign and in control of all things, then why should I pray? You know, it doesn't, doesn't matter if I pray. That's clearly not correct because God has assigned a means, and that means is prayer. Um, James 5.17 says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. And Elijah devoted himself to prayer, and his, his prayers were answered. Proverbs fifteen twenty one: the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Elsewhere in James, it says, the prayer of a righteous man avails much. <clears throat> so prayer is the established means of grace by which we make our request known to God. And in this, not only do we associate ourselves with the only true power in the universe, capable of doing all things according to the purposes of his will, but we also derive great benefit from that. So we're associating ourselves with the one who can do all things and will do all things for our good, and we also derive great benefit from it. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, said, Paul says to the Philippians, he says, Don't, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything... By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what's the next line? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So he's telling you, don't be anxious. Do this by prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known to God, and the result is going to be a peace. So a true peace comes from a result of devotion to prayer. And that's peace in both positive and negative answers. Peace is a lot easier in positive answers, right? When we have to, when we're praying for the same things over and over and we don't see those answered, it's sometimes tough to be, to be peaceful. But we have to further submit to the will of God, love him, thank him for the relationship that we have, love or ask more and more that our will would be conformed to his will and just see that he is working all things out for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. So those are many reasons that we could pray, uh, or those are some reasons that we could pray. There are certainly other 
reasons <clears throat> why we would we would do that, but we want to we want to continue to try to be devoted in prayer. We are commanded, but our Father is a kind and loving God who knows what's best for us, and prayer is one of those things that are that are best for us. So let's quickly go through how we should pray. As I said, I might have bitten off a little bit more than I can chew because this we could go on and on. But let's you know look at a couple of just ideas you can think about a little bit more uh, throughout the week. <clears throat> but if there are times in your prayer life where you are struggling, then understand understanding why is a good thing, but understanding how. Uh, is a good thing as well. There's certainly not a single answer to the uh, to the how. But the other thing that we want to make sure is we want to make sure that our prayers are actually biblical in their methodology. You know, I don't want to be praying self-serving prayers. Self-serving prayers are often very frustrating. Why? Because they don't appear to get answered in the way that we want it. <laughs> and the book of James once again tells us why that is, because we're asking according to our pleasure. We're asking according to what will please us. We're asking according to what I want. You know, children pray like that all the time. But adults have a tendency to slip and start praying like that also. So how, do we be, how are we biblical? How, how can we be biblical? Well, the, the best way to be biblical in your prayers is to follow the biblical model for prayer. And the biblical model for prayer is the Lord's Prayer. When the disciples asked Jesus, how should we pray, he said... This is how you ought to pray. And he gave them a, a model. And so if we follow the basic structure of the Lord's Prayer, it'll make sure that all our prayers have the right goals and the right priorities. We won't take the time to look at the Lord's Prayer. I'm sure the vast majority here could probably recite the Lord's Prayer. Um, but if you think through the Lord's Prayer, how does it begin? The Lord's Prayer begins with, petitions in regards to the holiness of God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so it establishes God as holy. It asks, uh, we pray that God's kingdom come to earth. That's more than just hoping for the eternal kingdom of Jesus on earth. That is actually a desire that more and more in more and more cases, God's name will be hallowed in the hearts of men on earth. In more and more cases, God's will will be done on earth as it is currently being done in heaven. <clears throat> That's what it means. And so the primary focus of the model prayer is that is God. It's God's will. It's that God's name would be made holy, glorified. When we do come to ourselves... It's simply to acknowledge the providence of God. So we begin with God's holiness and God's will being done. And when we do come to ourselves, it is what? Give us this day our daily bread. We're acknowledging our dependence on God for everything, including day-to-day -day provisions. Then we acknowledge our dependence upon him again on his grace for the forgiveness of our sins. And we understand that we'll be called to extend that forgiveness to others, and we understand the wickedness of our hearts. So the Lord's Prayer says, you know, help us to forgive others their trespasses as you have forgiven us. 
We know that we'll be called upon to do that. We know that it will be difficult to do that. Too often we're very much like the unforgiving servant in the parable that Jesus gave. And so we need to continue. We, have, we need to have continued grace. We need to continue to focus on the mercy of, of God. So an acknowledgement of our need for forgiveness, and then that can be a means by which we're moved towards forgiving others. We then acknowledge our dependence on God again by asking not to be led into temptation. Now, God is not doing the tempting, but God can lift restraints, and our wicked hearts can do the tempting, or Satan can do the tempting. And so we're asking that God would sustain us, that he wouldn't be far from us, that we might be able to endure. And 1 Corinthians 10.13 is one of the best verses to keep in mind, in my opinion, to keep in mind during temptation. And that is, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So, once again, we're coming to God in dependence for daily provisions, dependence on his grace for the forgiveness of our sins, dependence on continued grace that we might forgive others, dependence on him that we might be kept from temptation. That was what we call a 30,000-foot view of the Lord's Prayer. But I still think it's very helpful. The Lord's Prayer is not an incantation. It is not a prayer that necessarily has to be said verbatim. It is a model. It is intended to show us where our priorities ought to be in prayer. And it actually, though, now that we're, we are talking about the how, it could be very helpful to pray through the Lord's Prayer. If you're struggling, we started this section out just saying, if, if I'm struggling in prayer, what are some of the things that I could do? Well, Christ did give this prayer as a model prayer. You can pray through each petition, and then the Holy Spirit will often use that to, to guide your prayers so that they are biblical in their methodology, and you are praying for the right things, and you are praying uh, in, in the right order. So there's certainly nothing wrong with praying it. It's more about praying based on that structure. The second how-to is to pray in Jesus' name. This is the traditional ending to our prayers. We're offering these prayers in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and that certainly is appropriate. He is the mediator between God and man. Jesus, in his death, made way, uh, opened up the Holy of Holies, the curtain tore, the barrier that exists between God and man, the enmity that exists, the hostility that exists has been reconciled by Jesus Christ. It's through the work of Christ that we now have access to the Father. We're told that in Hebrews to come boldly to the throne of grace, to seek mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so we most certainly are just to pray in Jesus' name. But this, again, is not a formula but it becomes more of a mindset and an attitude. So we're to come in the name of Jesus. That is our main priority, our main focus ought to be that God's will be done and the name of God, the name of Jesus, be magnified uh, in our prayers. And if we go back to the Lord's Prayer and use that as the model, we see that exact prioritization of goals. Um, I have, within the last couple of years, read a book called Praying Backwards, 
that kind of goes through this same idea. And the premise of the book is to ask the question, well, what if we began our prayers in Jesus' name? Again, not a formula. It's not something you have to do, but just a a reminder to us. Because what would actually happen if we started praying and beginning our prayers in Jesus' name is we would, we would see that some of our prayers sound awful petty and self-serving. You know? And we skip right to the supplication, and I'm just going to ask for the stuff that I need, and I don't necessarily focus on, I don't have my priorities, priorities right. In Jesus' name, I really hope it's a nice day today so I can go play some golf. Uh, in Jesus' name today, please give me a new car. In Jesus' name... I hope they have something good in the cafeteria for lunch. Uh, None of those are bad, necessarily. But like I said, when you start it out in Jesus' name, it sounds like it sounds a little bit petty. And so the author says, and he actually, those were his examples. While there may be God-honoring purposes in some of these prayers, the glory of Jesus' name is not the primary focus on most of them, end quote. And so if we're the main concern of our prayers... 95% 95% of the time, 100% of the time, uh, then our focus is really not where it ought to be, and that is the glory of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The author once again says, if our main focus is on us and our earthly satisfaction, then adding Jesus' name to the end of the prayer is somewhat superfluous and possibly even superstitious because we're not praying as Jesus directed to to pray. So praying backwards simply reorients our priorities and ensures that they are in the proper place. It would help us to back away from ourselves and our wishes and our wants as the primary concern of our prayer, and instead that primary concern would be the purposes of of Jesus. So we can pray based on the model prayer. We could Pray backwards. Another acrostic that some of you might be familiar with is the acrostic ACTS, A-C-T-S, for prayer. The A stands for adoration. The C stands for confession. The T stands for thanksgiving. And the S stands for supplication. If we think back to what we just talked about in the Lord's Prayer, we see that exact model. So adoration, we begin by giving glory to God. We begin by asking that God's name be hallowed in our own hearts that his will be done on the earth. We praise him for his power, his wisdom, and his grace. Then we confess our sins. We acknowledge his dependence on, or our dependence on his grace for forgiveness. We give thanksgiving for the many things that he already gives us, as well as for forgiveness and sins. And only then do we come to supplications. It's the very last thing, and supplication, of course, is making requests for your daily needs, for the needs of others, for the healing of sickness. All of those things are good. God answers prayer. God calls you to pray. And prayer is the means by which you have access to the great power and wisdom of God. But we've got to make sure that not only are we devoted to prayer, but we're actually devoted to the right kind of prayer that I'm constantly seeking to communicate with God and and build a relationship with him, that prayer is a regular part of my life. But if if I'm praying in the wrong way and I'm only praying selfish prayers, then what good is it? 
we need to so we need to we, we need to be have this be a regular part of our lives, but we must also focus on how we ought to uh, to pray. So I, I I hope that prayer is a regular part of your life and that it's not irregular. I hope that you can look at your life and say that you are devoted to prayer. I know that many times when I honestly look at my life, I say, I still got a long way to go. You know, and so I hope that this is helpful because just the preparation of this has be has been. <clears throat> helpful to me. Um, I certainly confess a lack of delight in communicating with God, uh, a lack of priority that ought to be there. And so, you know, I hope if you find yourself in that same, same place, that this would be, that this would be helpful, that this would draw us all to the hope that we have in Christ, the fact that he gave greatly of himself, came to earth to live, to die, to rise for you to give you this opportunity to make your request made make your request known to God through him that we would be drawn afresh to the the goodness and the grace of God and that it would cause us to be people of prayer that we would seek to develop and grow that relationship with him so let's end in prayer Dear Heavenly Father, we praise your name. You are the sovereign ruler of the universe, created all things, the word of your mouth, sustain all things. And so we praise you for your your wisdom, your power, your glory. We do ask that you would, your name would be hallowed in our hearts that we would uh, seek to glorify you in all that we say and do. We pray that your name would be more glorified in this world and that uh, we would see your will done on earth as it is in heaven. We thank you for your grace to us and the forgiveness of sins that we have through Jesus Christ. We thank you for the access that we have to your throne room that we may make our requests known to you, and I pray that you would help us to be all the more diligent in doing that. Forgive us for letting the the, uh, things of this life and our daily tasks get in the way. Forgive us for getting our priorities out of whack. I just pray that you would help us to to dig in and and to use some of the information that we learned today uh, or heard today that 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 would push us on to be people who were continuing steadfastly in prayer, who were being constant in prayer, who are praying without ceasing. Help us to, uh, to bring our requests to you and to make it a priority in our lives. And thank you that we can derive great benefit out of that, that you, have, you are a loving and merciful God who knows what is best for us and wants what's best for us. We thank you for this gathering of believers here. I pray that you would help us now as we go out throughout the week to love and serve and honor you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.